You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Clap, 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 clap your hands and stomp your feet. You're listening. You're listening to the Clap Your Hands Podcast. Hosted by Elliot Shore Parks and Kyle Newbeck. Here they come. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Clap Your Hands podcast brought to you by Odyssey Sports. Make sure you are downloading that Odyssey app. Make sure you're leaving those five-star reviews. Been a little light on them recently. Come on, guys. Let's get those five-star reviews going. Uh, brought to it's you by some, People are on summer vacation, Elliot. You know, it's true. They're, they're taking it's a true. break from the five-star reviews. Yes, but maybe get back to it. Uh, brought to you by Sports Radio 94 WIP, of course. Today's pod brought to you by one guy who's excited to see Oppenheimer, the other guy who's excited to see the Barbie movie. I'll let you guys decide which one is which. I'm sure it's a, it's a true mystery amongst the uh, Clap Your Hands <laughs> listeners. Well, I have, one of us already has tickets to see one of those movies, so uh, I'm already ahead of you uh, on that front. We'll see. So uh, you were saying this before we started, that you were unable to get tickets until July 31st, I think you said, or something, like far out. So let, let's qualify it's good tickets. So the 70-millimeter okay. IMAX, which is like Christopher Nolan's, like, you got to see this movie in this format or whatever. All right. There are very limited screenings for that. It's like four a day and they're all in King of Prussia. Mm. And you couldn't sit anywhere but the front row until like the end of the month, essentially. So how do you I, feel I about, clearly didn't plan ahead that much. How do you feel about buying seats to a movie theater? Like, I feel like this has to be within the last, what, maybe five, six years, maybe a little longer than that, actually. But I don't know. I feel like I'd like to use have to just go wait in line and get your seat. Like, are you a fan of the the buying in the specific seat for the theater? For something like this, yes, because it allows me to just kind of plan ahead a little bit rather mm -hmm. than you show up and you kind of cross your fingers that there's going to be a good seat there. Now, my family, because of my father, has always been insane about being early to stuff. So if I can this appreciate was that. If this did not exist, I would probably just be there like unnecessarily early and sitting there watching all the stupid commercials they show the during previous. the movies now. Like to give you an idea, my dad was like, a, we're going to leave for the airport three hours before the flight. Man, big like, airport got him. He doesn't know he can, you can just get there an hour early now and be fine. Well, especially because I have global entry and TSA pre-check. So look yeah, at you. Uh, so yeah. last thing on the movie really quick, I was looking into seeing it on uh, the IMAX. Did you know that the, the uh, Franklin Institute IMAX is like not a thing anymore? Do you remember that? I actually that? did learn that recently, but yes, that's uh, Cause I went thing to go that see, I found out. 
I went to go see The Dark Knight there when it first came out. And like, I will say a movie on that screen, and for those that haven't been, and I hope it's none of you, it's like a completely circular screen, basically. It's not like, an IMAX is kind of just a big movie screen, if we're being honest. There's not really a huge difference between uh, just a and regular- the sound. Movie. Like, the, it's the really sound. the sound is what yeah, the I sound. think is the big difference. But apparently it shut down during COVID and it's not coming back. I feel like that's, how is this not a bigger deal? I used to love going to the IMAX growing up. It's awesome to see movies on. It's just devastating news to uh, to, to hear. It would be awesome to see Barbie on it, I guess, is where I'm going with this. It is a bummer. And while I'm on the subject of my father, uh, his one of his stories he loves to tell. So you know how that's the, the Tuttleman Omniverse Theater yep. is like the name of that theater. So... it's like a friend of a friend of a friend is david tuttleman someone my dad knows wow and he went to a birthday party of his in like probably like the 80s or something what a flex he shows up to this like obviously like ultra rich guy's birthday party and like casey and the sunshine band is just like playing at his house (laughs) (laughs) it's just like the most random so Kristen, me and Kristen are watching this show. I'll say loosely, but it's a reality show where like it's a bunch of people in a house and you have to figure out who is related to a celebrity. So like I think Tom Hanks's niece is in the house and there's clues to like figure out who it is. This okay. could have this would have been a good one for your dad, the the Tuttleman guy. Like I feel like that qualifies. Yes, it looks like William Guest. Elliot's the Barbie guy, and Kyle is the. Uh, the I'm not. I was, so I will say, I don't. I don't. I'm not anti-Barbie as a general concept. I'm not like uh, hating on well, anybody who's going to see Barbie, and I might end up seeing it myself. But yes, the tickets that I booked are for Oppenheimer. The the marketing for it has been ridiculous. But anyway, speaking of uncomfortable in terms of Kyle waiting to get comfortable seats for Oppenheimer, not sitting in the front row. What a segue. You like that? I've had that in my head for about a minute. I figured I'll, I'll go with it. Um, as always, as is, it feels like the last 12 pods we've done, there is a slight James Harden update that is not really an update, but kind of is. Um, I like to consider myself like a connoisseur, a, uh, an, an expert. Uh, I'm not sure if I use that word right, but an expert of, uh, of social media posts. Um, This one has me floored. I do not know what he means by it. For those that don't know, if you've been living under a social media rock, uh, James Harden posts on his Instagram, something like, uh, it's like, I've been comfortable for too long. It's time to get uncomfortable. Puts it in his story, all black screen, white lettering, nothing else. Posts it yesterday. Uh, Kyle, I guess we'll try to solve this one together. We'll uh, we'll put our Sherlock Holmes like hats on and, and try to f- decipher it. I think it's pretty clear it's somewhat related to this trade requ- request, right? Like this isn't a tour de France Joel Embiid thing. I think this is this is clearly something about the Sixers. So I'm less inclined to say yes, only because I think he wants it to come off that way. Yes, and it could be something else where he's just like. Yeah, I'm okay just letting that simmer right now because I'm pissed at Daryl and I want to get traded. And I'll put, I, if I was going to sit here and tell you, well, this is what it means, I'd be lying to your face. It's, it's just another one of those stupid things about covering a sports team in 2023 that we have to figure out what this kind of stuff means or you have to pay attention to 
oh my god james harden took the sixers out of his bio oh yeah there was instagram that too. About that. and does it doesn't say basketball player for the 76ers and it's like look that stuff matters in the sense that you do have to kind of keep track of little things like that because these guys love to leave breadcrumbs and be passive mm-hmm. aggressive and messy but unlike you i'm not going to sit here and say i have like a phd in passive aggressive instagram comments it could be you know maybe james just had a, a tough relationship end with somebody yes that, that isn't daryl Morey. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to see if there are more of these i mm-hmm. guess but for now it's just a big old mystery well PhD in social media uh, posts and certainly emojis I would put under my qualifiers. My wife would probably tell you I can have a PhD in, uh, in passive aggressive. Just realized the joke Ooh. in there. Not going not gonna to go down that road. But uh, so well, here's what I do think it uh, it actually could mean. Like been comfortable for so long, it's time to get uncomfortable. I think it's clearly a threat that he's going to cause some trouble if he comes in for the Sixers. If you think about his relationship with Daryl, it's been comfortable. We all know they've been... Uh, you know, on good terms. That's why he's in Philadelphia. That's why he forced his trade from Brooklyn to Philadelphia. Originally had interest in coming to Philly from Houston. I think he's saying like, it's time to get uncomfortable. Like he's going to do something. Now you could argue for, for James, like being in this spot of coming to a team, causing problems, or I shouldn't say causing problems, but making it so that the team wants to trade him. He should feel pretty comfortable doing that. Like he's done it twice before. This isn't a new path he's going down. There's all those memes going around of him getting the fat suit out the closet and uh, and that stuff. He's so, getting ready, man. Yeah, he's, I, he's I said getting the ready. other day it he's going to be, be <laughs> getting Eddie Murphy's suit from the Nutty Professor out. That's that's uh, what it we're. It must be uh, it must be fun to get ready to come into shape to come into camp fat. Like that's got to be a fun few months. Being like, all right, I don't have to work out. I'm just gonna eat and drink a bunch and put on a bunch of weight. Like that seems pretty actually comfortable. I would say for James, if uh, that's where he's going, but no, I do think this is, this is a threat to the, to the Sixers. I mean, the question is like, how seriously are the Sixers going to take it? Daryl, a very online person. I'm sure he has seen this post. Like, do you think the Sixers are, we talked about this a little bit on the last pod, but do you think the Sixers are worried about James actually causing trouble? I'd say somewhat, yeah, but the message from the Sixers, whether it's Daryl Morey giving interviews in public or you know what people are saying when the cameras are off or they're not speaking for public consumption is that they're going to hang on to him unless they get a trade offer that meets their standard that they want to hit. So that means they're either getting a star back, they're accumulating a bunch of assets to move mm-hmm. for a star, or they're going to say, James, you better suck it up and come back. Because otherwise, you know, now there's also out there this week. Who was it? Zach Lowe, I think, beginning of this week. Did a story about how Ben Simmons got a year of service time yeah. for the year where he held out on Philadelphia. But that that won't apply for James Harden or guys on the final year of their contract. So if he were to sit out for 30 days or more, I believe that they could actually say you're not a free agent next mm-hmm. summer, which that can you imagine that if they don't make a trade and he Harden holds out year. 
and they say just to spite him, like "fuck you, you're not a free." Well, that's the thing. I don't like, think they would do that. I think, I think they would that's just renounce like, his rights. Like they would I, just. Be yeah, like, I right, think at ahead. that point they'd say we don't want to deal with it. But I, I would be. Who do you think is a franchise that would actually put their foot down and and do something like that? If you had to pick from the the thirty teams, I mean, the sad thing is the Heat were the first one that came to mind, just in terms of like. I actually like a, really disagree because I think they're so tied to building their team in free agency that they would never take that risk. I fair. think it had to be like a small market. We don't get free agents anyway, so we're just going to say you're not going to do this to us. Well, the tough thing is it would have to be a team that really wanted the guy back. And I feel like often if the guy is, is held out for an entire year at that point, like – I just don't think the team would want him back. Like, it's like Daryl, it's it's like the Ben thing. Daryl held on to Ben because he wanted to get a a big trade return for him. He's going to do the same for Harden. Deep down, I don't think Daryl wanted Ben back. I think that he probably wants James back more than he wanted Ben for sure. But at the same time, and this has been something that's been going through my head too, like if if they would have, if Harden just didn't opt in, and I think that's proven to have been probably a mistake by him, but if Harden just didn't opt in, I like I don't know is Daryl offering him anything? Like I I just wonder if Daryl's perfectly okay having James as a trade asset as opposed to having James as a player on the team. I know he said this week that he wants James back and he hopes he changes his mind and everything, but ultimately he did he I like he clearly doesn't have that much interest in him if he wasn't going to offer him any kind of long-term deal. Also, while we're on the subject of the opt-in, I I know we've probably discussed it a little bit. I'm like really tired of, and this is going to come off as anti-player and it's not, but I'm really mm-hmm. tired of the, like someone opts in and, or they sign a contract extension and then it's like, yeah, I want to be elsewhere. It's like, dude, then don't yeah. fucking sign the contract or don't opt in. It's the, it's more egregious in the case of somebody like Dame Lillard where signed a multi-year extension for like 60 million dollars and he's got mm-hmm. several years left and then it's like no nah, actually get me out of here and i understand all this stuff about you know wants to be a certain level of competitive and the blazers haven't been and so on and so forth but it's also like you could simply sign one-year deals for a ton of money and not do this and not be in this position where you could just leave like it's the thing that i respect about lebron is that he puts pressure on his organization no matter who he's playing for to be good every single year because he makes it very clear if we are not good enough to compete i'm out of here and like that's fair if a guy says that to you and says i will test the waters in free agency that's great all this the way the league is going where it's you constantly have to be worried about, all right, we signed somebody and now that guy might just request a trade with three years left on his deal. It's like, what are we doing here, man? Like, and I think that sucks for fans too, where it's mm-hmm. like, it used to be, Oh, we got this guy to recommit on a, a max deal or whatever it is. Like that's a big victory for whether you're a team in a place like Philly or a small market team. It's like, great. We, my favorite team got a, a star to come back and he's here for five years. It's like, he might be there for a year and a half or, or less. And then say, yeah, no, I just wanted my money and I want to get the hell out of here. Like, I think that sucks. So 
I'm like a little on the in the middle of this. I I definitely have come around more to your point of it. Like if you're a Sixers fan and let's say you're let's be honest one of the few that really likes James Harden at this point and like he opts in. You should then be like, "All right, I'm excited to have him back on the team." Or if you're a tri- a Blazers fan and he signs that and Dame signs that 5-year deal, you should be like, "All right, I'm excited to have him." So like I do understand from a consumer standpoint why this is probably something the NBA is going to have to fix. I don't know what the fix would be. Maybe it's like if you sign an extension, you're unable to be traded for the first two years of the deal or like whatever percentage of the contract. Like maybe that is something where I think even if you did a year, it wouldn't really work. So I do understand the problem where I disagree with you a little bit. And I, I hesitate to make this like a, like a worker's right thing. So let's be honest, these guys are making millions and millions of dollars this is not yeah. about you know workers fighting for above minimum yeah, wage like poor or, dame lillard making 60 ex- million dollars That's exactly the right so <laughs> so i think sometimes like these points can be diminished by people saying it's not about like workers rights my my where i disagree is just i do think players over time like earn the right to control where they should be so i understand the point of it sucks for fans and the league should probably do something about the fact that dame is asking out but Dame has also stayed with the Blazers way longer than most people would. Like Harden, sure. Harden's a debatable one because right now he does not have the market that he would, but he's still a top 75, top 50 player of all time, whatever you want to say. So I I I do I do find myself saying it's okay for players to use the power they have earned in their career to try to get somewhere. But I think it's gotten a little out of control. And this is someone that loves rumors, loves trades, like when I played NBA 2K growing up, I would literally just simulate most games and basically be a general manager. So I I enjoy the content of it and the trading of it. But, and I feel this way with Maxi too. Like if you're someone that says, I don't want to trade Maxi because I enjoy watching him. Okay. I, okay. Like I can't fight you on that. Part of being a sports fan is liking the players, enjoying following them. Iverson didn't win a lot of games growing up, if we're being honest. He had the one run. Outside of that, he was like, a five seed, six seed most year. He's my favorite player of all time. And my favorite team of all time is one that didn't win a title because of him. So I think that there is certainly a part of this where it's like, if you're a fan of a player, you deserve to like have that player stay and not be afraid. But then I also see in any profession, if you're really good at it for, you know, 10 years or whatever, I don't know. I think you earn the right to play where you want to play. Yeah, I just think it's so disingenuous to like sign an extension and then it, like, I don't want to harp too much on Lillard, but like, Oh, Mr. Loyalty, this and that. And then when it's time that he wants out, it's like, I will only play for this team. It's like, come on. Yeah. Dude. But he's kind of earned you that. Really, right. you, he, he technically he does not. Cause he's on. You're right. Contract. Technically like, by the letter. Yeah. He has the right in the sense that this is how the league operates now. But I think there has to be a way that, and it could just be like, well, the new CBA is already in place. Mm-hmm. So nothing is going to change about this for the next seven, eight years or whatever it is. But it just really, I would be, if I was a fan, really frustrated by having to hear guys be like, yeah, trade me to only this place. It's like, bro, you could just be a free agent and you could make the decision that you're going to take less money in order to play somewhere. It's just a lot of like having your cake and eating it too like these guys want Mm -hmm. and look i get it they don't their careers their shelf life is not as long as somebody who's just like a 
a normal worker or someone who works at like yeah. Apple or Google Where their or Microsoft career is not tied to their physical ability. Yeah. So look, I understand you're trying to get max dollar value, but there also has to be a consideration for if somebody's mm-hmm. going to pay you 60, 50, 40, 30 million dollars for the next well, five years or whatever that you can't just like a year later, or even in like Harden's case, he opts in and it's an opt-in to immediately move and only to one place. It's like, come on, man. Well, so I think an interesting part of this, Stephen A. Smith brought it up with the Blazers, but let's keep it with Sixers, the Sixers and Harden. Like Stephen A. brought up that maybe when Dame signed that extension with Portland, they're like, look, sign the extension, but if you want to move, we'll work with you to get you maybe where you want to go. Like, like the Blazers, while Dame gets the money, the Blazers also really benefit from Dame signing that extension. Like, A, they control and he can't walk in free agency. We have an interesting point in the comments. Miles Johnson says, if you remember, KD walked from Oklahoma to Golden State. If I remember correctly, they didn't get anything for that return. Which is, so, and again, that was that's fine. Like, it was annoying from the sense of the Warriors were just too good and it, like, made the NBA mm-hmm. not fun for several years. But that, like, that and how LeBron handles it, like, that puts pressure on the team. That's exactly what you want as a player. They believe that you credibly can leave. They try to make the team as good as possible while you're there. And if they lose you, then they have to deal with the consequences of trying to win now with you. Like that's well, but the the flip side of that though is like it's why teams want players to sign two year deals. It's so that you own their rights so that you can trade them for something. Like you're right. If Dame signed a one and one with a player option and just kept it so every year he essentially could become a free agent if he wanted he accomplishes the same goal. He has job security to an extent, obviously like probably 90 million on that one and one or whatever. He can decide where he wants to go every year. And he also puts pressure on the team. But from the team's perspective and to bring James Harden, like the Sixers now get something for James Harden. Like it's annoying he's done this. It's frustrating that he's opted in and been like, be like trade me here and everything. But at least they get something. If he would have just opted out and walked and let's say he was willing to take whatever the Clippers could offer him in free agency. Who knows what that would have been, whether it's a sign and trade or whatever. It, well, it's basically zero because the sign and trade would have been illegal. So he would okay, have had to sign. Like, unless they would have traded a bunch of guys for, into cap space for nothing back and dumped money and renounced rights for people, he would have been on like right. an absolutely tiny deal. But let's just say he was willing to do that. He was willing to sign for a million dollars and let, he wouldn't have, but let's just say yeah. like, then the Sixers get nothing back from him. Nothing. At least now the Sixers have a $35 million trade piece where they can move him for pieces to the Clippers, where they can then flip those pieces if they're trying to get Dame or, or whatever. So yes, it is frustrating that the players opt into these contracts and then try to force their way out, but the teams benefit from it too in the way that they can, they can acquire something. Now, like to the fans' perspective, and this is another question I wanted to ask you, So I saw a really good tweet and I apologize. I can't remember who it was from, but basically saying like fans live through this with Ben Simmons. They're now going to live through it again with James Harden and like a large part of the past, whatever years, two seasons, season two and a half, whatever it is, has been like fans sitting while we read cryptic social media messages. We have this player that doesn't want to play here and like, I don't know from a fan perspective and you can't make the decision based off the fans. What's the saying? Like if you listen to the fans, you'll end up sitting with them or whatever. But 
every situation is unique. Like how much of this do you think is the Sixers just need to get this, get, get James Harden out of here and just like have some peace with their team and their fan base and how much is worth like holding on for him? Well, so we've discussed a ton, the apathy that has set in amongst the fans and the, you know, you got to prove it. You got to do this. You got to do that. I think this is also a gigantic part of it. Just the fact that over the last, let's call it five to seven years, that this fan base has had to deal with so much bullshit between, Mm -hmm. you know, Markel Fultz forgetting how to shoot, Ben Simmons never learning how to shoot and crumbling mentally in the playoffs, Brian Colangelo and his burner accounts. Well, maybe not his, but someone (laughs) close to Brian Colangelo's burner accounts slandering the best player on the team in favor of propping up Ben Simmons, leaking medical information about players on the team. One thing after another, after another, letting Jimmy Butler walk in service of signing Al Horford, all kinds of just like, whether it's basketball decision-making, off-court stuff, how Joel and James are responding to having a fucking meltdown in game Mm -hmm. seven of the biggest series they've had in 20 plus years. The fan base has had to put up with so much shit. And I just think about all the time, like why would these people continue engaging with the team? If they have to deal with like, this isn't even just, you have to deal with a a frustrating basketball team on the floor. It's like, they have to hear over and over and over again about how this guy who went out like a complete loser in the playoffs it's like, I don't want to be here. I I only want to go to this team. And that team's not even offering like fucking Terrence Mann. No disrespect to Terrence Mann. And they're saying no disrespect, that yeah. like he's a good, good role player. But like the fact that that's supposed to be the, the blinding neon line they won't cross is just absolutely insane. And so for that to be essentially the topic of the entire offseason, because they haven't signed anybody of note. They've signed a couple guys who are minimum contract players who are not going to be difference makers for the team. And so all these people are going to hear heading into preseason is what's James doing? What is Daryl Morey trying to do? What's this team going to look like over and over and over and over again? It's like, dude, how can you put people through this like this over and over again? Like I, my emotions have been stripped away for a long time in terms of like following the league and, Following the Sixers, it's very much like, hey, this is a great story for me that I get to cover and I'll, we'll get lots of clicks and lots of podcasts mm-hmm. listening and things of that nature. But I just can't imagine being like emotionally invested in this team that over and over again just kicks the fan base father down. And it's like, you're going to put up with this because we think that's the best thing to do. Like That's that's terrible. And that, I think, is one of, again, to your point that you made, It's not a good reason to make a trade, but it has to be something on your mind if you're like in charge of this team that the fans are already fed up and you're going to have them go through months of this in the season to say we might get like one extra pick or they might include Terrence Mann in this trade. (laughs) Like at what cost? Yeah. Well, so I remember prior to the 20, I guess it was probably 2021 draft or maybe 2020. It was whatever the Devontae Smith draft was. They were draft. The Eagles are drafting number 10 overall at the time because they traded back from six and then 12, whatever. And I remember saying like, 
people hate this. People hate people have revisionist history. People hated the Eagles after that 2020 season. They were mad at Doug, mad at Carson, like Howie, all those things. And there was talks about like drafting Devante, or there was a guard out of USC, Elijah Vera Tucker. And the argument was like he they need a guard. He's a great offensive lineman. I remember saying, like, honestly, sometimes, man, you just gotta do the exciting thing. And like the fans don't the, the fans kind of deserve Devante over a guard that we then all have to like sit here and talk about, well, he's going to make the interior. Like maybe it's the yeah. right football move. And obviously Devontae's awesome. So that was the, the right football move. But if you're Daryl and you're sitting up there every day and whether you're in center city walking around, like he likes to talk about, or whether you're up in the, your office at the practice facility, like doesn't part of you think, man, I know that if I really hold out and with Ben, it worked like you got James Harden, but it might not work again. And if he can just get rid of Harden today and have fans be like excited, I don't know. I, I would probably still advise him to hold on for the best trade because they do have a chance to win a title. And that's probably what matters most. But I do think there is something to like, God, they need some type of positivity here. Something fans are excited about something for fans to like call in a WIP and say, Oh, I'm so happy this happened. Like when's the last time Sixers fans have been able to do that. So I think that fans are fed up when they traded for James Harden in the first place. Yeah, honestly, probably when they traded for James in the first place. So um, I think fans are like fed up of the cryptic messages. They did it with Joel. Daryl even does it. His Daryl's aren't really cryptic. Actually, Daryl's are more just like jokes. He thinks are funny. And now James does the the cryptic stuff. So I, yeah, I think people, people are fed up with it and it's an interesting line. The Sixers uh, have to walk. So the other kind of, news i guess that just kind of came out this morning or was just reported this morning is that in talks with the uh the clippers uh obviously about james harden uh pj tucker's name has come up now it's interesting to consider because the sixers and daryl morey especially has like really stressed the idea of cap space next year and how that could help them and how they could add max players and they'd still have joel along with max slots and that's very rare to have all those things PJ is like one of the only, I think it's just Embiid, Maxi, I guess not Maxi, just Embiid, Tucker, and maybe Melton, if I'm not mistaken, are the ones that are Melton's signed. a free agent next summer. So that's a. So is it Embiid, Tucker, and then do they technically own Maxi's rights beyond that? Like I know they only yeah, have three or four. They'll players. have his rights for, they'll have his like cap hold for next year. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I'm just. I guess it would probably right be like now. Springer and, you know, whatever. Like Paul the, Reed, did we include Paul, him? Oh, right. Paul Reed, assuming they get well, out. Well, assuming the they make the second <laughs> round of the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. but. Which, you know, is unfortunately been a, well, fortunately been a guarantee for this team. But anyway, the question is, is this a good opportunity for the Sixers to try to get off the P.J. Tucker contract? Like if you're, if you're Daryl and you're going to have to trade Harden, you think he's not going to come here, it's going to be a problem. Like there's certain things you can try to accomplish here, whether it's, you like this team is deprived of of draft picks. Are you trying to focus on getting draft picks back? Are you focusing on getting players that can help you now? Are you focusing on getting guys that are on one year deals? Another thing you can focus on is getting rid of things you don't you maybe don't want anymore. If you're the Sixers, like, would you think about trying to make sure when you trade James that PJ Tucker is attached to that deal? I don't think it's like a super high priority only because I think on an expiring contract, there will mm -hmm. always be someone you could just send him to next offseason. Now you might have to pay some kind of premium for it, whether that's a, a second round pick, whether it's somebody at like a young guy that 
you're just not that interested anymore, but a, a lottery team or rebuilding team might have more time for, will invest in more. Maybe it's something like that. I do think though, and this has not really been strongly rumored or reported up to this point, but it would make some sense to include them in this deal. And you try to get younger and more athletic. Like we've seen as much as PJ acquitted himself fine in like the game seven against Boston and had some moments in in the playoffs where, yeah, yeah, it, it wasn't like he was a big problem, but I do think on a night to night basis throughout the season, you could see, all right, this guy doesn't have it tonight. And they had to essentially sit him the entire fourth quarter. And it was, yes, it was because he couldn't hit shots from night to night. But also, like, this guy can't move as well as he used to. He doesn't have the legs Mm -hmm. every single night. And I do think there maybe is an inclination to say we need to get younger. We need to get more athletic. Now, I say that, and their signings have been Patrick Beverly, who's getting older, obviously, and less athletic. Mo Bamba, not the oh, he's huge and he's athletic in the Long, sense that he can yeah. block shots, but he does not move well in space. So the team has not really gotten more athletic, certainly. So maybe that's a consideration as they move into the future. In terms of what I think they should do or what they should prioritize in a trade, I know the cap space component is a big thing and part of the future planning. I don't think you can just like, go all in on that, right? Like if the difference is they're going to take on Marcus Morris, who, oh, he's expiring, but I don't think is that good at this Mm -hmm. point and isn't really going to help them as much as they need the return for Harden to help them. I don't think that's worth it. Like I think you have to get guys who are going to help Joel Embiid right now, even if that means, you know, they make another 10 to $15 million next season. I tend to think, those type of deals, the $10 million deals, the $15 million deals, even up to like 20, depending on the player. I think those are always movable if it's a good player. I don't think there's ever going to be a case. Now, maybe this new CBA will prove me wrong on that, but mm-hmm. I just tend to think those guys will always find a home. You might you might get nothing back for them or very little back for them, but if you're doing it just to clear cap space and you're going to sign max free agent, you don't really care that you're moving like a cork Maz level player or somebody above that level for peanuts. So a couple of thoughts off that one. I do wonder with Joel as your best player, if you're ever going to be able to be like a truly athletic fast team, like if your best player is kind of like plotting is maybe not the right word, but he certainly is not like a sprint up and down the court full time. Now I do wonder with Joel getting married, you know, if there's anything we know about getting married, it's your, you, you, you lose a ton of weight or you at least try to be in your best shape before the wedding. <laughs> so who knows? Maybe, maybe we're about to be skinny Joel, uh, thanks to the marriage this year, but yeah, I put back on school, all my weight I lost for my dude, wedding. So tell me about it, man. Like every year, <laughs> like I look at pictures from my wedding and I just think, you know what, man, at least thank God I was able to get in shape for that. Cause it's certainly oh, sense listen, that. man, I looked great in those pictures. That's all. That yeah. Counts. You'll never be able to take that from me. The slow decline sense, not, not as good, but <laughs> like PJ Tucker, I think is a, to your point, a fine piece to have next year. I don't think this is like a contract you won't be able to get off of. If anything, he probably maybe has more value next year because he isn't expiring, but like, I don't know. Do you think he fits with Nick nurse in terms of, he's a good defender. He's versatile. Like he's switchable. So I guess that helps, but he's not like a young 
guy in that way. So I do wonder if Nick Nurse would have uh, like like wants him. Like if if Nick Nurse values having I, him, I think any head coach would value what PJ Tucker does. Okay. It's he's always going to be one of those quintessential. Oh, he's more than the box score. He's a culture yeah. setter. I think like having his voice is also really important. Just having guys who at practice every day and things like that are not dogging it and, you know, showing the proper attention to detail. I, I tend to think that any coach, let alone Nick Nurse, who we know has been kind of a defensive maniac the last few years, I think he'll have plenty of value for Tucker, but you know, it remains to be seen. So I, the other thing is, I do wonder, and we did a whole pod on the Joel quote and the tweets and everything, and we touched on this a little bit, but since then, I've been thinking about it more and more. Like, I wonder how Joel feels when he hears Daryl talk about how exciting it is they're going to have a ton of cap space next offseason. Now, Joel ruined kind of any power play he made in the eyes of the public when the next day he comes out and he says, you know, uh, like, oh, I'm just a troll, who cares? But they like before those tweets, the initial read on it could be, hey, man, I'm not too excited about this talk of cap space. Like, I want to win right now. I work hard to be able to win right now. I want championship players around me. Um, I mean, how much of that do you think factors into with this where, yeah, Daryl, you can be excited about two max spaces, but you have to have Embiid on board with this plan. Yeah, I mean, that's more important than I would say anything else. You do mm -hmm. have to split the difference because – there's no guarantee that you're going to walk into next offseason and Joel is going to care about that cap space, essentially. Like, if there's somebody they can bring in, and, you know, as we know with the NBA, sometimes these deals come together long before they're actually finalized on paper. And the legality of that is a whole other story. Not saying right. that there's any groundwork being done by the Sixers, obviously, just to be well, clear. James for Harden probably feels like this is something. The, the tampering happen. police out there. Right. But but yeah, I think <laughs> part of, a big part of Daryl Morey's job this year is selling Joel Embiid on the future planning here. Now, one thing I will say that has come up when Morey has discussed you know, the, the hardened trade and options they had available. I do think there was an idea that their window was shorter than maybe people thought. And so I, I almost wonder, you know, how long do the Sixers think Joel Embiid is going to be able to help them compete for a title? Like, what do they now? Obviously, even in conversations with me privately and certainly what they say publicly, they say all the right things. We want Joel to be here forever. We believe he's a title-winning player, just won the MVP, blah, blah, blah. Have never said otherwise. I wonder if you put them to a lie detector, like how long they actually think Joel will be at the level that can be a, a title-winning level or like be at that level where just having him means they might be able to contend. Because with all the injuries, like the cumulative impact of all these injuries – I wonder what their sports science and medical people say about that. And I wonder when they would just say, if there is ever a point, we got to deal this guy before the bottom really falls out. It, it, it's certainly something they have to think about. They're never going to publicize it. They'll never talk about it, even to people like me who mm -hmm. I'd keep my mouth shut if it was like about <laughs> preserving those relationships. But I'm very curious when the, the end of the road actually is. Yeah. 
And, you know, to make an Eagles reference again, it reminds me of how when the Eagles drafted Jalen Hurts, they said publicly, privately, this has nothing to do with Carson, you know, just high quality backup, blah, blah. But I've always felt deep down, you put like Jeffrey Howie in a room, like, did they do it with the idea that Carson might be closer to being cooked than we thought? Like, yes, of course. So if you put Daryl and I guess you maybe include Nick Nurse in this into like a room where it's just them, no one can hear them and they can talk honestly. Yeah. It would not surprise me if there were part of them saying, yeah, Joel's, you know, has injury problems. He is getting older and who knows what that, what that future holds. And it also kind of ties into what I felt all off season, which is they just seem way more excited about Maxi. Like I, I know they know Joel's a better player, but I wonder if they think like Maxi can be our guy for the next five years that can truly develop. And Joel's more of a, we're going to try to win right now this year, maybe next year with them. And then after that, who knows? So it is a, an interesting component um, of all this. Do you have anything else? But I just, the- I wanted to throw one more thing in there. So there was a, I think it was a report that came out of this week that, essentially said that the Sixers view Joel as wanting to be more of like a Dirk or a Kobe oh, yes. that they play their whole career for one team. And on this subject, I want to note Dirk Nowitzki. So his first season in the NBA was the lockout year. So mm-hmm. he had did not play like 80 games that year because there were only like 50 games in that season. He played 70 plus games for the first 13 years of his career. Wow. Kobe Bryant in his career had a couple of 60 plus or like 66, 68 game seasons, but by and large, like never got hurt seriously until late in his career when he had the Achilles thing. And like, that is a component of one, the team, a team wanting to invest in a guy until, know they're 37 38 however many years old that guys can play at this point it's just that that person is available constantly and that you can count on them to be all right we have to for cap space reasons for you know players coming and going for whatever reason you're going to have to reshuffle the team around a star a lot but that star is your lighthouse it's the thing that's just always there you can look for them when times are tough when other guys are hurt when you have to make bets on, you know, different sorts of players for whatever reason. And like Joel hasn't been that guy. Like whenever we talk about team building stuff, some of the consideration is, well, Joel doesn't always stay healthy. So couldn't they really take a risk on building around? Said it about Jimmy Butler, honestly. There are a lot of people who are like, he's been very durable, but he played under Tibbs. He played a ton Mm -hmm. of minutes. And there was this idea that, the bottom is going to drop out on Jimmy and then you're building around Jimmy and Joel who already had all the the different health issues talking about it now with James Harden. Can you give a guy a contract in his mid thirties who doesn't take great care of his body? Or I shouldn't say that someone who the off court lifestyle is going to impact how well they can take care of their body. Yeah. And they sign Al Horford on because of at least in part need some protection behind Joel. Like at a certain point, that's a real team building consideration that like, that's just a thing that there will be a point, a fork in the road where someone has to say, we probably just can't do this anymore. Now, I don't know when that is. Maybe Joel finds a way as he hits his thirties to better take care of his body. And, you know, he doesn't get injured as much, but most of these have just been like 
freak injuries for the yep. most part. It's like him going up for a block, him going up for a dunk, whatever it is. And so, you know, that's that's why I think about it a lot because as much as the organization loves him and loves what he's brought to them, there has to be a thought in mind in in a lot of people saying, you know, what is the expiration date for this guy? Well, what's interesting about that is like to come off of the the report that he views himself as a Dirk guy that's like like that can be what he wants. Like what you just described is what the team wants. Right. And the and so the Joel quote that we talked about in the last pod about maybe he'll play somewhere else. There was one school of thought, which I don't completely agree with, but like that maybe Joel's saying, Hey, I'll get traded. Like it's not up to me. Like I I could get well, that's definitely what he loves to imply that all the time. Right. He said in press conferences a hundred times, Well, they could trade me for Steph Curry tomorrow. Right. It's like, but but they're not one, saying, the Warriors are not gonna do that. But also, but, yeah, they could. They could. Yeah. But what you're saying is kind of like maybe that's in the back of Joel's head. So like the Dirk thing, yeah, he can want to be here the whole time and he can love the idea of being in Philly. And I do think he's embraced the city and and all those things. But if the Sixers and Daryl Morey in the back of their head are saying like, hey, man, I don't know, like in two years, are you going to be able to do that? Like that has nothing to do with Joel's desires. Like if in a year they want to trade Joel, they could do it. So it's interesting to, to think about it from that perspective of like, the Sixers might just decide to move on from Joel or to say to Joel, Hey, we'd love to, keep not you. anytime soon, but not yeah, anytime I, soon, but like, we'd love to keep you, but we're not going to like, you can't be the focal point of the offense anymore if you want to stick around. So lots of, of course, as always things going on with the Joel and James thing and fans, I'm sure will be reading about it on different social media posts. So the last thing I wanted to talk to you about before we, we wrap this up and, uh, you know, obviously, I think Sixers fans have a ton of interest in this, but also Eagles fans and Washington Commanders fans. Um, Josh Joshua Harris, and I guess Devils fans too, actually. Wait, speaking yeah. of, did you see they might change the name again? There was a report about that. I I kind of liked when they just did Washington Football Team. Like it, it reminds me a <laughs> little bit because it sounded bit. like a soccer team. Exactly, basically. yeah, like Washington FC or whatever you want to call it. Like I think it yeah. it sounded cool, but um. Joshua Harris officially bought the Washington Commanders for now, the name, the Washington Commanders this week, uh, gave his introductory press conference, was peak Josh Harris at the podium, just couldn't be less in, less expi- uh, inspiring, not, not a powerful microphone uh, controller for sure. You've been around Joshua Harris, um, you know, basically since he's bought the team, or at least the, the large majority of it. I've always felt he gets a bad rap in Philadelphia. I think he is a very good owner. He has turned this team around when he was not the owner. They were kind of like the the less important team to Ed Snyder. Um, they weren't anywhere. They weren't winning. Like, yes, they've not been out of the second round. But with Joshua Harris, they've won way more than they've lost. They've become a perennial 50-win team. And I also think with Joshua Harris, like, he's paid for a good head coach. He's paid for a good general manager. They don't go over the luxury tax, or at least that they're not at, like, that second apron. But – they do spend a ton of money. He's built a new facility. I think Joshua Harris has been a great owner. I'm curious from your perspective, what you think of Joshua Harris as an owner. And I guess like what should Washington fans maybe expect from the, from him? Yeah. So I think overall good for many, many of the reasons that you just laid out. Like we can sit here and say Doc Rivers was a bad hire. For example, there are a lot of people who didn't like it. I didn't love it at the time. Certainly came around a little bit, but there are a lot of people who were pointed out as past failures. 
but he was the big name on the market. They paid a lot of money to bring him in. Daryl Morey, similar situation. Like I know not everybody is happy with him and what he's done leading the team up to this point, but biggest front office guy on the market. They went out, they paid big money for him to come in here and try to lead this team. And I think if you just look at, you know, bringing in Hanky and green lighting, sort of the thing that kickstarted this whole era that rebuild, I think the place you'd criticize them for is maybe not sticking to convictions enough and, you know, getting bullied off of that in some ways by the league. And then Colangelo comes in and then you're, there's some weird reporting over the years about, you know, he's listening too much to Scott O'Neill or mm-hmm. Alex Rucker ends up having lots of influence in the front office and, and these people behind the scenes pulling strings and pushing them in different directions for maybe not always the right reasons. I think that's what you, if you're a fan of a team that's owned by Harris, I think that would be the concern. I think the luxury tax stuff has probably been slightly overblown over the years because they do spend. Like if you look at, yeah, I think probably a better example of the investment of the team than even the head coach is like, look at the assistant coach staff that Doc Rivers had. There's a lot of guys like former head coaches, like big name guys. They're not coming to take jobs like this unless they are going to get paid a decent mm-hmm. amount of money. Like, having Dave, Dave Yeager, bringing in Dan Burke from the Pacers, who he had been with the Pacers for, you know, a long, long time, like a couple decades, essentially. And so to get a guy who had lasted across multiple, multiple coaching staffs to leave his home where he had set up like a home base for a long time and come to Philadelphia, yes, it's about the opportunity, but there were plenty of other opportunities for him before that. So in some respects, it's a reflection of, what is the team willing to offer to a coach, to an assistant coach to come here? They build the practice facility. I know there's obviously like the the tax incentives and all mm-hmm. that. Like that's a whole nother thorny subject that we don't have to get into here. The arena thing, I think there's some mistrust, but like up to this point, all we've seen is they're going to privately fund this and they're not asking for taxpayers in Philadelphia to pay for this new arena. They're repurposing a place that essentially nobody uses like nobody goes to that new fashion district essentially that i know mm-hmm. and they're going to use that for so like they're doing something that people don't like which is building a new stadium but they're doing it in the best way as far as we can tell that they can possibly do it so i think like big picture pretty good i know there have been some issues over the years but I don't, I certainly don't, they're not like, he's not an absentee owner, which is important. Not somebody who's saying, I won't pay for this. And he's not like a Robert Sarver, former Phoenix Suns owner, where you hear all kinds of horror stories or they make shitty trades Mm -hmm. specifically not to pay people. I don't think you see evidence of that. So is he like a top five owner? No. Is he probably in the top half of owners? I would probably, I think I would say so. Yeah. Well, I think if he just had a different personality, we would talk about him probably. It would more. definitely help. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, like, honestly, I love ranking things. I can't imagine how I would go about ranking the owners in the NBA. But like, if he was, if he was Michael Rubin's personality, like, if, if he was the majority, if Michael Rubin did everything Joshua Harris did, but was the majority owner, like, he would be loved. 
by Sixers fans. Because obviously Michael Rubin was a minority on a minority owner of the team, like super passionate about the Sixers, always out doing things, very vocal. Like if you look at the owners in the city, Jeffrey Laurie is probably the best owner just because he has the best combination of like his team wins all the time, clearly seems like he cares. He's very much around and he spends a ton of money. Middleton with the Phillies, obviously very much cares, like is willing to spend big money, but like they're not run and not to get into that whole debate, like run as well as the Sixers. Joshua Harris to me, like everything you just mentioned, I think Washington fans should expect to get an owner that is going to spend like almost, I want to say like whatever it takes, but they'll probably get a new practice facility. They'll probably get a new stadium. They'll probably pay for a, a high level head coach or whatever you think of Ron Rivera. And they'll, they'll pay for a great general manager. And while I would love to have an owner of the team that is like super passionate and I feel cares as much as me and like is, you know, living and dying with every possession in a playoff game. Like, yes, I agree. Ideally, that's what you want. But I would, if I had to pick between the two, I would rather have an owner that's just willing to write a bunch of checks and gets a, gets a bunch of things done. So I don't think there's like Sixers fans like hate Joshua Harris, which I'm surprised by, at least the fans I interact with. I think he's been he's been very good. Like I, I think like and especially if he's an actual fan of Washington. Now with the whole Eagles thing, it'll be interesting to see how that goes over. Like I could I could see from a fan's perspective not loving the fact that he owns a team that's a a divisional rival of the Philadelphia like football team when you own the basketball team. I can see that, but I think Joshua Harris has has definitely been been undervalued. I mean, do you spend? I'm guessing you don't spend a ton of time around him at the facility, nah. like. Very little yeah. time with him beyond what we see or what at you guys would see at like press conferences. He's just because even when they do those, he like comes in in his helicopter right. and leaves. So it's not like he's just hanging out with the media for a long time and doing off the record type stuff. I think, mm -hmm. well, we should be clear that like I think some of the reason that people don't like him is like they have had some self inflicted wounds over the years. Like the biggest example I can think of. And this obviously had no impact on like the on-court basketball stuff. When the pandemic hit and they tried to be one of the yes. first teams to like reduce salaries and all that and went back on it after Joel essentially humiliated them by saying, well, I'm going to pay their salaries. Yeah, that's right. They, I forgot so, about that. So you could sit here and say the important thing is that they course corrected, right? Like they could have very easily just like eaten the PR hit and still furloughed these people, whatever. Like I, I do think there's two sides of that coin where that was very obviously a bad and awful thing to do to people. But if you do something bad and you're at least willing to look in the mirror and say, yeah, we fucked up and shouldn't have done that. Like that's an important quality to have. I know from a public facing perspective, there are a lot of people who are ne just never going to forgive you for certain things. Mm -hmm. But that's as I have gotten older and less stubborn, I would say people's willingness to admit to and own up to mistakes is like a lot more important than I would have said when I was like, I don't know, a college student. <laughs> I would say, who fucking cares? Get it right the first time. It's yeah. like that kind of attitude. When and I'm saying, I'm not saying it, that to excuse right this. Like easy. it was a horrible horrible thing that they did but i'm mm -hmm. just like if you look at it from that perspective and then apply that to like how they're running the team if you're willing to, to say yeah we made this decision wrong this was the wrong trade we did this wrong and then plan accordingly in the future 
have a different process behind that trade. Like that's a thing that applies to so many levels of the organization. And so I, I think maybe they've been too reactive and that would be the big criticism where the stuff with the league office and Adam Silver and they got bullied out of that plan to a certain extent, that's a problem. And you have to have conviction strong enough that outside public pressure doesn't make you do stupid shit. But I think they're receptive to what they hear. I think they're willing to spend. And I think, frankly, they're not at the like Jerry Jones level of like being too involved where Josh Harris, I think, is pretty involved with the team. There are a lot of like meetings that none of us are privy to that Mm -hmm. he's involved with, with the front office and so forth. But yeah, overall, I think good. And I think it's certainly worse for the Eagles that he owns the team versus Daniel Snyder, who created this like awful toxic culture that has essentially like people that are Eagles fans don't want to hear this. That was a great organization for like a long, long time. Very successful team. At least had like a successful era from you know the beginning of the 80s until like the early 90s for sure. Yeah. But now you have to contend with potentially at least like a competent organization. They might not win anything of consequence, but they're at least like they'll get players and coaches and front office people that they probably wouldn't have gotten with Snyder running the team. Yeah, I mean, the good news for Eagles fans is like the team is very far ahead right now. Like they're just further along in there and they're well run. So it's going to be tough to catch up. But yes, to your point, like it is not good that a a very good, good, whatever, like competent owner now owns Washington. Whereas before the guy that that owned it was obviously a train wreck, uh, you know, in in basically every sense of the word, it it seems like both on and, and off as a as an owner. So Joshua Harris, my advice would be don't hire people away from the Eagles if you don't want a good, like a bad PR hit. Like imagine all of a sudden he's signing their free agents. He's like, imagine if Howie Roseman went to Washington. Oh my God. Or if, yeah, he paid Howie just like a ton of money to leave. I think, uh, I think Howie like will never, ever leave the Eagles. I actually think it's gotten to the point. I mean, this is the nicest way possible. Like he almost looks like an Eagle. Like I swear, if you look at him, like from now, from like when he got hired to now, his face is definitely more like, he that's looks, one of the more insane takes I think you've ever <laughs> he's had. like so about being the eagles that he almost looks like one now he's gotten in better shape like he, i give howie credit he's uh i, he's I don't down. to your point i don't think he would leave one because no, no, i no, think no. lurie loves him and would pay him the type of money to just like not do that but also i just how he loves the team and like yeah how he will never leave trust me yes yeah. how he will never leave but Josh Harris, don't try to hire him away if you don't want people to hate you even more. So we will wrap it up on that note. Um, we'll record next week. Yeah, and nice those... pro-ownership note. I'm sure that yeah, will, people yeah. will be loving Kyle, that. anti-player pro-owner. I think that's the clear takeaway from uh, from yeah. today's pod. So who knows what will be po- what will be posted by players between now and next week. We could get a Tyrese Maxey post. We we'll could get, get more uncomfortable, Elliot. You never exactly. know. Exactly. We, well, the one thing about this offseason is we have to get comfortable being uncomfortable, right? That's what uh, that's what Harden's teaching us. So thank you to everybody for listening. Uh, thank you to everybody that's been in the chat. Miles, um, all types of people in there talking. William, really appreciate you guys watching. And uh, it's fun to see you guys, you know, talking to each other in the chat while we talk about the Sixers too. So thanks for listening. Make sure you download the Odyssey app, like I said. Make sure you leave those five-star reviews, even just simply because it makes me happy to read. And uh, Kyle, I will talk to you next time. Talk to you guys soon.